0: Patience. That's the biggest one. Um, You know, especially if you're just starting out, you have to understand that things take time and just like everything in life. And so you can't hurry the process. Um, You've got to be patient and not only with your business, but also with your clientele that you do business with.
1: Main Street businesses are struggling as they face challenges nothing like we've seen before. You're listening to the Behind Main Street Podcast. Let's learn from real-world Main Street entrepreneurs, pick their brains, and learn their secrets to navigate persevere and overcome all the modern obstacles they face every day get ready to peek behind the stories the struggles and strategies of today's main street entrepreneurs welcome to the behind main street podcast here's your host chris j cardona
2: great day everyone welcome to the show whether it's your first time listening or an avid follower, thank you so much for joining us. Show notes can be found at www.behindmainstreet.com. But before we get started, I would like to thank the sponsor for this episode.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by Thinkin' Local, a fundraising and giving-based marketing platform whose mission is to connect local main street businesses who care about making an impact in the local community with schools and nonprofits who believe in supporting their local businesses. Find out more by visiting thinktheletterinlocal.com.
2: Awesome. For today's episode, I'm so honored to interview a good friend and a business colleague, Peter Joseph, a husband, a dadpreneur, and the founder of Joseph Insurance Broker, who specializes in helping seniors in the Medicare space for the past three years. He spent the last two decades prior in the nonprofit sector and has been recognized as a top rated health insurance broker, as well as has garnered an A plus rating. With the better business bureau but in my opinion the biggest accolade of all is he is a true servant at heart peter are you ready to take us behind the curtains and dig into your story
0: i definitely am chris
1: bring out the shovels let's dig for gold
2: thank you thank you well i've given our listeners a little bit of a sneak peek of who you are why don't you tell them a little bit more about yourself and what it is that you do?
0: Yeah, I'm uh, based out here in Chino Hills, California. And uh, I've been, as you said earlier, I've been in the nonprofit sector for about 22 years and for a lot of different reasons, but the main reason was we wanted to kind of basically get into a business that was a little bit more stable, uh, didn't have our family move around so much, and uh, we were actually really tired of the politics of uh, the nonprofit section. So, um, decided to try to find a, a business where my skill set would easily transfer. And uh, lo and behold, I found uh, a niche market where a lot of our seniors are confused by the Medicare process. Uh, they want some education, they want some free resources, they want um, to just have a conversation so that they can better understand. The processes behind medicare and so i felt like this would be a great skill set for me to transfer into um, because i've got such a servant's heart i love helping people that's been all about me for the past you know 30 some years so um i easily um kind of just went right into this business and um it's taken off ever since um like you said i i am a husband and a father i've got two kids a a six-year-old. He just turned six. And then uh, my daughter, who's 11. And so they're both active in the community here. They go to a local school. And um, so that's a little bit about me.
2: Fantastic. Well, from your perspective, what would you say something interesting that your family and friends, you would think that they would say about you if they were to describe you?
0: Um. Well, for for those who don't know, I am um my family does come from Egypt. I was actually born and raised here, but um it's kind of an interesting unique uh, characteristic. I didn't know that. Myself, yeah. And so um I you know, I, I would say one of the main things that people see in me is that um I'm highly engaged and active and I'm always looking at ways to better um communities that I live in or um, organizations that I'm a part of, um, I'm always looking at ways to to build them up and um, give kind of that positive encouragement that's needed. Um, and that's just from my background in the nonprofit sector. Um, and so I, I always want to give back. That's that's kind of my motto.
2: That's amazing. Well, speaking of that, how would you describe your life mission?
0: I, I would say my life mission is is to um, be in the process or the Aspect of bettering others around me, and so in whatever ways that I can do that, um, that's that's my end goal, and um, the reason that my life mission is that is because I know that if I help others, um, it's kind of like karma; it comes back to you. And so um, I'm not doing it because of that, but obviously, um, you know, the more people you help, the more um, positive energy you put out there, it's going to come back to you, and so. I've noticed in my own business, um, in helping communities around me and helping them um, increase their revenue or increase their clientele or help them become better entrepreneurs, um, that's increased my business. And, um, you know, they've referred me out to their own clients. So it's a win-win for both.
2: That's fantastic. What would you say people misunderstand about you as a person?
0: Uh, I think the most, the number one misunderstanding is people think, oh, he's a broker. So he's going to come off as salesy. And that's definitely not anywhere close to, to who I am and my personality. Um, I'm never pushing anything onto people. Um, I'm all about educating and making sure that people understand the process uh, behind things. And so, you know, I hope through those conversations um, that they trust my judgment and that they, they do become my clients down the road. Um, but I'm never, you know, I, my services are completely free. Um, I'm always about giving advice out and uh, hopefully that will, you know, help them along the way as well.
2: Is there something or one thing that you value the most in life? If there is, what would that be?
0: Uh, family. That's huge for me, and uh, one of the main reasons I went into this business is so that I could have some flexibility, and be involved with my kids' lives. Um, Whether it be a volunteer coach for soccer and basketball um, and the sports that they're playing, um, whether it's being active on uh, their school campuses. Um, You know, it's a little different, of course, with COVID now. But um, anything I can do to be involved um, in my kids' lives and to spend quality time um, as a family unit. And so uh, my wife and I, every year, we'll, we'll take two large vacation times out um, and we'll we'll go somewhere local and then we'll go somewhere abroad um, to have that quality family time and, and to build those relationships
2: up. That's fantastic. You know, family being important to you, have you thought about outside of the family unit, um, the impact that you will have in the next five years or so?
0: In terms of the community abroad or?
2: Yeah, community in general, like you being like Peter Joseph out in the world. What would your impact be in five years?
0: Well, I hope my impact is that I um, get people situated on the right health insurance needs because that's what I'm all about. And so I want to make sure that um, anyone I come across with um, is well educated in the health realm. And that there's no uh, surprise costs that come their way, that they're well taken care of, that their families are well taken care of. Um, and that that's about that's about it.
2: I'm curious, if you had won a hundred million dollars tomorrow, what would you spend it on?
0: <laughs> well, if I won a hundred million dollars, um, I would probably give a majority of that back to my local community. Um We've had um, our roots in Chino Hills for the past uh, probably six years now, and and so we would want to give that money back to the local schools here because my kids are growing up in this community. Um, we would want to help you know invest in um, community type centers, uh, ballparks, um, places where kids and families can enjoy the outdoors a little bit more, and. Um, the other thing is I would probably give back to I have a good friend who's part of the foster youth program. Uh, it's a nonprofit company that she works for. And um, I would probably give a lot of money towards that organization as well. Um, I have a heart for kids. And so um, I want to make sure that, you know, foster kids are well taken care of as well. And that they've got the resources in place. Uh, maybe you could tell us what's the name of that nonprofit? Uh. The name is <laughs> now I can't remember the exact name but um, Casa of San Bernardino um, I don't know if that's the full um, company name but but that that's how it's um, addressed so perfect yeah you know, in, in the show
2: Brandino. notes or on the descriptions of the video uh, we'll connect offline and once you let me know what that is I'll make sure to link it in the descriptions of the video so people can kind of check that out as well. Perfect. Perfect. So, what was your, you know, being the last almost uh, more than two decades, right? Being a nonprofit, um, being a servant, um, and then transitioning into this. But growing up, you had a background, right? What was your child like? Childhood like growing up?
0: Well, um, you know, unfortunately, my parents divorced when I was five years old, and so my dad is the one who raised me. I was the only child, um, and it was, it was difficult growing up. I will tell you that because of the Egyptian culture. I, like I said, I was born and raised here in California. So I was very Americanized. Uh, My dad, on the other hand, had that thick Egyptian accent and uh, was trying to maneuver both the American culture and the Egyptian culture. So uh, it was kind of fascinating to see. um, We could be kind of a reality TV show, I'm sure. Um, (laughs) But through that, um, you know, he, he, did a tremendous job in raising me with, with great values and and great integrity. Um, and I've used that throughout uh, my life growing up, um, through my schooling, through my education, uh, through my, my, um, current business as well. And so, um, you know, I was highly involved with, uh, churches growing up. Um, I was playing basketball for several years. Um, I played on the high school teams. I was on the, the freshman and sophomore team. And then my junior year, unfortunately, I blew out my knee. Um, and so I figured out ways to maneuver around that as well. And I became the camera person for our basketball team since I couldn't be on the varsity team um, with my health issues. And um, I began coaching. And so I coached AAU. I coached in college. Um, I always have had a heart for, for kids. And so you could see that throughout this interview. I mean, I'm talking about foster kids, my own kids. Um, I was I was a youth pastor growing up. So, um, you know, I, I really want to make sure kids that are growing up have the tools in place uh, they need to to succeed in life. So um, that's a little bit, kind of a little snippet of, of my background.
2: That's very interesting. I didn't know that about you. I think that's one thing in common that we have, you know, my parents separated when I was a and I was, I think, two years old as well. And I grew up with my with my grandparents and my grandpa was very, you know, he was a university president. And so, he, you know, he was very, very, very strict. So, um, and, you know, I, I migrated here and my mom lived here. So I think, you know, even for me growing up, being trying to balance, you know, going to school back in the Philippines and then coming back here, going to school here, like you you're never, you never have like a complete, like understanding of both cultures but i think the good thing about it i mean even for you as you get older you kind of get ingrained with both which i think gives you a different perspective in life which kind of helps i i feel it helps us kind of navigate the world especially now i mean here us living in california like we are this is a very melt it's like a melting pot of cultures like almost like this second largest melting pot maybe outside of new york i would say so i think you know it's good for us to be able to navigate
0: on that Yeah, and um, I I totally agree with that. I mean, I know my father uh, was one of five brothers. He was the first to come over here in 1968. And the reason they left Egypt was to have a better life for themselves, um, to escape a lot of the religious persecution they were going under as well. And so, um, you know, that mentality grew on me. And so obviously, I'm always looking at ways to um provide for our family and and um, make them as comfortable as possible. Uh, at the same time, I'm looking at you know situations where I can help um, those who are less fortunate and uh, don't have the means or the resources. And so I want to be a part of that in a positive way.
2: Curious, did you have a dream career or like a dream job as a child?
0: I did. I actually uh, wanted to go into sports medicine growing up, I was a huge Lakers fan, and so, Um, You know, I'd watch Gary Vidi being the athletic trainer, and I'd be like, that's the job I want. And uh, um, I was, you know, prolific. I was good in in biological sciences. That was my undergrad at UC Irvine. Um, But I realized that I wanted to to do something a little bit different. And so that's why I kind of moved into the nonprofit sector and gave that career up.
2: Gotcha. As a kid, did you were you the type of kid that liked school? Any favorite subject or least favorite subject at all?
0: Yeah, um, unfortunately I was probably a nerd. I, I did love school. Um I would say probably uh my favorite subject was science. Um I I just really um did well and excelled in those subject areas. Um math was probably my least favorite subject, even though you have to have math in some of the sciences, but um, that would probably be my least favorite.
2: Well, that, that says a lot about, you know, you being in the space that you're in, right? There's a lot of, um, you know, sp- there's a lot of things that you have to explain to seniors and, you know, your clientele that may not be as easy to digest, you know, like facts and figures and, you know, like scientific, you know, like, you know, insurance is not the most, it's not the easiest thing to, to go through. So I think, you know, with your background, it, it kind of gives you. That, um, the nuance to be able to go through some of those technicalities with with your clientele,
0: yeah, definitely. I, I would agree with that. I always am looking at ways to put it in layman's terms when I'm talking with my clients. Um, Medicare is confusing, and it took me probably about six months to understand fully the ins and outs of the processes as well. So, um, it, it's not about dumbing down, it's just about um, really helping clients understand. Um, Different protocols and, and different systems in place, and and to be able to not only navigate that, but to conquer it in a sense, and and be the master of it themselves. And so, um, that's my whole intention behind um, having these conversations with my clients. Um, gotcha. So it's not gotcha. A coming down. It's it's just being um, making it so it's easy for them to understand.
2: Perfect. Perfect. Was there something in your childhood that you know when you look back at? Um, you feel that it sort of led to where you are today, you know, a family man, two kids, you know, being a servant at heart, serving the community, not only in business, but in real life, right? And in, in, not real life, but in, in family, regular life, non-business life, right? So was there something in your childhood that you felt, you know, kind of led you to where you are today?
0: Yeah. I mean, I had uh, amazing um, mentors that I looked up to in my life that, Um, Really invested in me and um, really took time out to uh, mentor me and give me the advice. You know, obviously, with just one parent growing up, um, you know, I kind of sought after that. And so, um, luckily, I was steered in the right direction and was given uh, tools and resources to be able to help others. And so, when I saw, you know, people in my life that were older that um, really gave back to the community or, um, were very unselfish and uh, donated not only their time um, but also their money um, to these certain nonprofit sectors or, or projects that were happening in the cities um, i learned from that and uh, i wanted to be a part of that and i wanted to to learn how to do that and so um, i got those teachings from my mentors growing up
2: amazing was there a turning point in your life that you felt that just was a like a defining timeline in your life that okay well i'm gonna I'm gonna take this path,
0: yeah, um honestly, I was um highly involved with uh short term mission trips when I was a part of a church, and uh, I traveled over the world um probably I've been to twenty six countries uh in my lifetime um, wow just that world experience really opened my eyes uh, and probably that was my turning point of going. This is what I want to do with my life. Um, there were situations where you know we'd go into villages and and um, set up little like day camps for orphanages and for kids who had nothing better to do and and um, and so we would kind of entertain and and be the people um kind of the parents in that scenario and um, through those experiences it it really opened my eyes to. Um, there's just a lot of need out there and there's a lot of people who have resources that can help those people. And, and um, I want to be one of those. people.
2: Wow. You definitely bring up a great point there. You know, I think us there's a lot of kids nowadays that don't get the perspective of what it is to live or interact outside of the U S that's why, you know, I think we're, we have blinders on a lot of, in a lot of ways, because we only see what we see on the news, what we hear on the radio, what we see on social media, but even that is very, very filtered right because on social media you're going to see what your peers would see your friends would see and stuff like that but there's a lot of perspective that you don't but you having been out there and actually serving the communities that are in most needs sometimes like just having just having access to basic things is a big deal for them when for us we take a lot of these things for granted in life
0: definitely definitely i would agree with that
2: Perfect. Well, now that we've gotten to know your story in your personal life a little bit more, are you go. are you ready to go a little bit deeper?
0: Sure. Let's go for it.
1: <laughs> let's take this conversation behind the alleys and go deeper. 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 Awesome.
2: Well, what would you say it means to you to be a local Main Street entrepreneur?
0: Well, it means I, I made it. <laughs> I'm a success story. So that's obviously um, great to hear and I love the fact that when I'm you know going to chamber meetings or having events here in the city uh, people come up to me and go hey I, we, we see your picture everywhere we see you on social media you're that you're that insurance guy so um, obviously uh, and they say it with smiles on their faces so obviously I'm making a positive impact on the community uh, people are seeing me as a trusted source and uh, that means a lot to me it really does.
2: Was there an entrepreneur um, on your radar as a child?
0: There really wasn't, to tell you the truth. Um, I didn't really experience that part until I got out of college. So um, I didn't really know what an entrepreneur was. And, um, you know, growing up, I actually thought I need a, a nine to five job. Um, I need to work for somebody. I need to have that kind of set position. Um, I felt like being a small business owner or a large business owner, um, that I just didn't have what it, what it takes to, to, um, manage that. So, um, my eyes weren't even focused on that to tell you the truth.
2: So when was it that you first became interested in actually becoming an entrepreneur, you know, you know, you being a nonprofit, like serving every day, kind of looking out for the needs of others. And then you're kind of going a different route, Are you still serving the needs of others, of course, but you know, like from a different mindset, right? What, Kind of led you um, to like what piqued your interest in become becoming an entrepreneur.
0: Well, honestly, you know, I at first went into the insurance business as a captive agent with New York Life, and um, started that started opening doors to entrepreneurs. And what I mean by that is, you know, I was invited to a chamber of commerce here in uh, the Chino Valley, and when I went to that first meeting, um, I met someone named josh sun who was an entrepreneur and started having conversations with him about what it means and it started opening my eyes to hey you know i can i can serve people and become my own boss in that sense and so um i decided to start exploring that and the chamber really started opening my eyes and opening doors um for me to be able to do that
2: so when was it that you actually that pivotal moment that you decided Today I'm gonna, or tomorrow I'm gonna be an entrepreneur.
0: It was probably my first year at the chamber. I was with New York Life, and and I decided, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave this. And, um, you know, I started seeing these commercials about seniors being confused by the Medicare process. And I'm like, hey, that's right up my alley. I'm doing insurance. Uh, why not just focus in on on one section of the insurance industry, and really be an expert in it and, and and along the way help people um, and and not be the salesy person of pushing life insurance on people, that kind of thing. And so um, that's the moment I decided, you know what, I'm leaving New York life. I'm gonna start my own business. Let's go for it and see what happens.
2: That's amazing. How was that journey like, you know, when you've, when you left, you know, because you, you come from a, you know, like a nonprofit space and then you went into um, like a captive insurance agent. And then now like leaving that, You know, striking on your own, basically, like your own broker and finding a niche that, you know, like it's amazing because you found an underserved niche. Right. And which which is fascinating. That's that's why I think you're making a lot of difference in the community, because I think sometimes, you know, with our expertise, we try to be everything to everybody. But for you, you found that need that you're able to fill. So the impact that you have goes a long way and i think that that's that's why you you've become very successful and very very well known within our community out here so that that time that you took that leap from being a new york life new york life agent how was that journey like
0: it was a lot of trial and error chris i mean i obviously it was a struggle at first i won't say it was easy by far at all i mean it, um i was scared senseless um i really Thought I knew what I was doing um, and it probably took me about six months to get my feet, you know, underneath me. But um, it was, you know, realizing first, you can't be a jack of all trades. Um, you can maybe do that down the road, but you want to really focus on one part um, and be um, really specific about that niche and and be an expert in that area and then, you know, all the other business will come. And so um, if people see that you're trustworthy, that you're an expert in this field, that you're really taking this seriously, um, then people will start coming to you and and, and trusting you with their business. And so um, those first six months were a struggle, though. Um, you know, I wasn't making a lot of money. I was I was building relationships. I was trying to um, be a presence in the community. Um, showing who I was kind of my background and my story and sharing that time and time and time again. And then it, you know, started sticking and people were realizing, Hey, this guy is going to be around and he's local and he's only focused on this area. Um, you know, let's see what he's all about. And, uh, it, it started taking off after that six month period.
2: What were some specific challenges that you faced when you know that first six months?
0: Well, the the biggest challenge was I started my brokerage right before the pandemic hit. Wow! And so it was just a struggle trying to figure out where I was going to come up with um, capital um, to just kind of start my business, um, where I was going to go for advertising and marketing, um, where I was going to get my clients because you know with this business it's it's a lot easier to do face to face interactions versus um especially with a senior market doing zoom or over the phone um and with such a a private area of insurance i mean you're talking about social security numbers and health insurance i mean a lot of those you don't really want to talk with someone who doesn't really know you right and so um just going through that trial of of building my clientele by teaching them how to zoom um how to have a phone conversation and and sending an application in electronically um and it was it was phone call after phone call wasn't like a one and done deal um that that's done with other insurance kind of transactions you know my clients are clients for life Um, i continue those conversations there's a lot of customer service that needs to be done Um, And so it's not one and done. It's a continual relationship that I have with these clients. And so it takes time to develop that trust. um, And you've got to be patient. Um, But the patient really worked itself out because obviously, you know, now we're doing well. And, uh, you know, after going through that trial of of trying to figure out where I was going to come up with the money, um, thankfully, the chamber, as well as uh, my business networking group that I was a part of, Gave me resources that I can look to 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 find that funding, um, and so there was grants out there, there was a PPI, um, all those kind of resources I was able to attain um, during that pandemic, which was very helpful.
2: Absolutely, I think one of the things as a new entrepreneur is we always think, "Well, I started this; I'm going to do it all all on my own." But I think you know, you reaching out, you know, to the chamber, to your BNI group, to the network of businesses that you've kind of been able to. To build around you is really what sets you, set you up to go through those challenging periods in in your business. Especially, I mean, like like who who decides, right? Like who decides? I want to start. I want to start a business during the most difficult. Generational thing that I, you know, you could think of, right? Like, I, th- I guess the the previous generations were like, oh, the world wars, right? Let me start a business during a world war. This is sort of similar to that. Everything is practically shut down. At least in during the wars, we're, we were we had jobs here. We were building stuff, right? But now it's like everything. You couldn't leave your house. We were locked down, so that was like, and that was, yeah, I, I would I would have never imagined starting a business. I mean, you and I both like sort of started you know deciding to do you know, to do our business you know during that period which is if you look back at it, it's like it's pretty crazy like no probably not like let me let me wait some other time so to that do this
0: and starting that business like and i started probably i think a few weeks before everything shut down it was um probably mid-february and then things mm-hmm. were starting to trickle down and honestly chris i was freaking out i was like did I make the right move here? I mean, like, what am I going to be doing in two months with everything shut down? And uh, thankfully, you know, I kind of put my feet to the ground, and and like you said, I, I kind of surrounded myself with peers and colleagues that were kind of going through the same thing, and and were understanding, and and we basically were encouraging each other to kind of move forward and and get things going in the right direction. So that was helpful. I. Honestly, would not have been able to do this all on my own.
2: Wonderful. Well, in business and in life, what would you consider non-negotiable for you?
0: Integrity. That would be the biggest thing. So, you know, I'm all about being upfront and transparent. And um, I, like I said earlier, I'm not about being salesy. I want to make sure people um, understand there's no catches, there's no strings attached when they do business with me, um, I'm as trustworthy as they come. And, you know, if I make a mistake, I fess up to it right away. Um, so it is about integrity. I'm not about swindling people. Um, and I know there are businesses out there that do that.
2: Plenty. There's plenty.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: What do
2: you wish that you knew other than don't start during COVID, but other than that, what did you wish you knew prior to becoming an entrepreneur?
0: Honestly, I wish I knew the resources of income that are out there for businesses that are struggling. Um, it took me a while to find that information out and I had to kind of weed through everything to, to find those, those resources. So, um, and I know it, not everyone qualified for those resources, but um, it, if those resources, if I knew they were in place um, when I started, uh, I would have felt a lot better um instead of freaking out for 3 months <laughs> trying to figure out how I'm going to fund uh my own business. So, I hope that makes sense.
2: Absolutely, it absolutely does. Um what would you say has been the most important part of your entrepreneurial journey?
0: The most important part has been the friends I've made along the way. I think um and that's including my own clients. I've um I've created friendships with my clients which uh, is unheard of in business. Usually it's it's very transactional. And so I love that relational aspect to my business. But um, I think just the entrepreneurs I've met along the way, they've been very supportive and um, encouraging. And I'm able to go with them for advice and knowledge if I get stumped on something. And so it's important to surround yourself with like-minded people. That's for sure.
2: Wonderful. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? But before you answer that, let's take a quick break.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by Thinkin' Local, a fundraising and giving-based marketing platform whose mission is to connect local Main Street businesses who care about making an impact in the local community with schools and nonprofits who believe in supporting their local businesses. Find out more by visiting Think, the letter N, local.com. Back digging for gold on the behind main street podcast
2: so peter if you could have one superpower what would that be
0: uh at this point it would be um duplicating triplicating myself uh so i could be in, in all these locations at one time um you know with my business growing so quickly i've learned that i've you know i need to start hiring people Um, I can't be everywhere at once. I wish I could. Um, so that would be my superpower at this point.
2: Absolutely, scale and leverage. (laughs) Being able to (laughs) to do that, (laughs) but you know, like as as a small business owner, I I think sometimes that's one of the most difficult things, right? Letting go or learning to let go.
0: Yeah, no, I I totally agree with that, and especially. Cause I, I built my business on being that relational person and, and giving great customer service. And so, you know, my worry is that I'm going to bring someone else on. I'm going to have to teach them all those kind of skills of, of, of being relational. And so, um, it's hard to let that go, um, because it's, it's worked for me so well. And, and so that scares me a little bit. That's for sure.
2: Yeah, well I mean you mentioned the secret formula, right? Finding someone with integrity. I think if you if you were able to find some someone with integrity, a lot of those things sort of fall into place because they'll basically just mimic you and they'll learn from you. I think that's one of the best things about you know, about you. If they can learn anything about you is about the integrity. So
0: Definitely.
2: Definitely. Speaking about that, in your opinion, other than integrity, what would you say is the most crucial personality trait that an entrepreneur needs to have to have any semblance of success?
0: Patience. That's the biggest one. Um, you know, especially if you're just starting out, you have to understand that things take time and just like everything in life. And so you can't hurry the process. Um, you've got to be patient and not only with your business, but also with your clientele that you do business with, Um, with my area of expertise in Medicare. um, It takes several phone calls to um, have that person become your client. And and the reason being is, there's a lot of ins and outs of Medicare. There's a lot of confusing parts. And so it takes time to to explain all that, to make sure the client is comfortable with what you're presenting. Um, And so patience is the biggest key. It really is.
2: Absolutely. What would you consider Throughout your entrepreneur journey, what has been your biggest failure and what did it teach you?
0: Um, <laughs> well, my biggest failure was trying to start my business and gather clients before I even did all the learning and education I needed to be an expert in my field. And the reason that was a failure is because I started talking with clients. I had no idea what I was talking about. and um, I was probably confusing them more so than than anything else. And so um, I learned that, like I said, as er- that earlier word patience, you've got to go through the process of um, going through the training, the teaching, the education um, before you, you start whatever you're starting. And so uh, for me, um, you know, that was a long time coming, um, but it was well worth it. And in the end, now it's it's helped my business become more successful.
2: Yeah. If you could make one mistake over again, what would it be and how would you do things differently?
0: The one thing I learned is um, sometimes businesses grow pretty quickly, um, faster than you think they'll grow. And so, um, you know, honestly, I think if I could do things over again, I would probably have a clerical or an assistant or an intern um, working for me right off the bat versus uh, waiting until this flood of clients come and then trying to maneuver all that and scrambling, trying to, to find that, that perfect person. So having that, maybe that plan in place uh, before you actually start if That makes sense.
2: Yeah, it absolutely does. And sometimes like when we start a business, we, cuz we're technicians in a way right like especially like small entrepreneurs we're not we're not like a big corporation like a mcdonald's or something like that that we that it's a big process sometimes we are the ones we are the business they're relying on us like what we do what we bring to the table and sometimes we don't think about bo- being able to bottle that up for someone else to help us with you know in regards to the scale of things so yeah, absolutely. It's very, very tricky sometimes to go through something like that. Um, is there someone or something that you turn to those times that you feel stuck?
0: Yeah, I do. Um, you know, my wife first and foremost. Uh, she's a bit, like one of my biggest cheerleaders, and and she's able to kind of maneuver some of that stuff because she's got a background in social work um, and psychology. That's her her undergrad major. So um, I'm able to kind of process things out with her. Um, and then the other people are probably people in my BNI chapter. Um, you know, Josh would be a big one. Uh, Zeb, who's the president of our chamber. He's another person that I kind of bounce ideas off of. So they've helped me when I'm stuck.
2: Wonderful. What drives you uh, to keep going when it's really tough?
0: What drives me is my kids. I mean, I, I want to be able to provide for them and um, I want them to model after me. And so when things get tough, you know, I want to see them see me um, give my whole effort and, and not give up, um, because things get tough in life um, all around, not just in business. And so, um, that's basically what feeds my motivation: are my kids and, and being um, basically the ultimate role model for them in life.
2: That that's very tough, right? Sometimes as a parent, when we're trying to be role models for our kids, it makes a little, it make things. Makes the perspective on things a little bit different because we're trying to be perfect for them. Um, but sometimes, you know, we do make make the mistakes and all that stuff. But I think if we can pass on the, the the learnings, I guess, to them, so that they don't have to repeat the same things, the same mistakes over. That's that's really that would be amazing for us to be able to kind of help them on. Other than being able to model for them,
0: definitely, I agree with that. Yeah.
2: Um. Are there um? resources that has helped you get through struggles other than human beings like are there any things that you kind of gravitate towards when you're going through tough times
0: not not currently i would say you know right now it is human beings but um i know um i'm actually trying to get kind of a reference of books that i can start reading um to just better my entrepreneurial skills and so um I've been talking with some people this last week, actually, and and trying to get kind of a list of books that I can start reading um, in my free time to to help hone my skills a little bit.
2: I would suggest to you um, trying out at the free trial, try this service called Blinkist.com, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T.com. They basically summarize some of the best nonfiction books, personal development, business books, 15 to 20 minutes So, you know, when you're, while you're driving to a client location or waiting for another zoom meeting, you can basically finish a book. So try that out.
0: Oh, awesome! yeah, I definitely will. I'll check it out. Um,
2: What has been the biggest aha moment for you?
0: Uh, The biggest aha moment was probably this past um, four months. I mean, business just started booming and I, Honestly, Chris, I haven't been doing anything differently. I think it's just my practices are put into place and they're finally starting to uh, gain momentum. And so, um, you know, I think knowing that, hey, if you've got a plan in place, you got practices in place, um, those things will come. You just got to wait it out and um, it will come to fruition. And so I'm seeing that in a big way these last few months. Uh, like I said, I'm not doing anything different. I'm I'm still being my relational self. I'm, I'm being available to all my clients. Uh, I'm building those relationships. And uh, now business is, is booming. So that would be my aha moment.
2: If you could talk to your 18-year-old self, what, what advice would you give him?
0: I would say that um, <laughs> good things are going to come to you uh, if you put the work in. And um, I've seen that in, in different areas of my life and different careers. And um, it's been incredible in this journey. I never saw myself owning my own business and becoming my own entrepreneur and and um, serving clients in this way. But um, here I am and, and another success story. So I, I'm thankful for the work that I've put in to come to this place.
2: You know, as an entrepreneur, what has been, uh, productivity hack or your favorite productivity hack that you kind of go to? You know, it could be several. It doesn't have to be one
0: thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would say probably time blocking as well. I mean, you know, I've noticed social media is huge in my business and um, it's been gaining steam, especially for these last several months. And so I'll block out time, usually three times a week. Um, and I turn off all the devices except for the platform I'm using. And, um, I'll, I'll start creating content and, and posting that in several different forums. And so, um, that's been huge and that's, uh, really increased my business in the last several months. So, um, yeah, time blocking would be a big one for me.
2: Absolutely. If, if there was, if you're granted three wishes, what would you wish for?
0: Uh, Wow. (laughs) So um, my number one wish would be that my family uh, would be happy and content in life. So whatever that means to them, whether it's money or or, um, family time, whatever it is. Um, Wish number two would be that um, I would have a legacy to pass down. So um, whether it's my book of business that I can pass down to my kids Or um, people would just know me um, and I'd be renowned for just serving people. That would be um, the number one characteristic that would come to mind when people think of me. So that would be my wish number two. And then my wish number three would be that I'd be able to own a professional uh, basketball team like the Lakers. (laughs) 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 <laughs> so, <laughs> basketball on and uh that would be a dream come true so uh, that would be awesome
2: oh my god absolutely you know like at one point um i had my own agency and in the philippines the people that own uh basketball teams are companies or corporations at one point one of uh, one of the things on our dream wall as a company um, was to own our own basketball team I, I knew that it was far-fetched for me to let's like try to get a Laker deal. Right. But like owning one, like a professional in the professional league in the Philippines was something that you could do. So I was like, I actually had. That. So absolutely. I shared that in you.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome.
2: <laughs> so now um, what are you most looking forward to your future as an entrepreneur?
0: I'm looking forward to continuing to build my business. Um, my goal is to have, 340 clients by the end of 2022. And um, my other goal is to be able to hire um, not only agents that can produce, but also uh, an assistant that can do all the clerical uh, and social media type marketing that we need done so that I can focus my time on my clients. So um, that's what I'm looking forward to.
2: Wonderful. Is there, Is there a question that you wish I'd asked you, but that I never did?
0: No, I think, I think you, you ran the gamut, man. So (laughs) I think you covered it all. I don't think there's, there's a, um, yeah, I don't think there's a question that you missed.
2: Awesome. Well, in closing, what is one piece of advice that you can share with our listeners in their journey to become an entrepreneur?
0: I would, I would say. You've got the skills in place. You you might not think you do. Um, you might not think you're creative enough. But um, honestly, there are so many people out in this world that can help you along this journey. Um, don't give up. You can definitely get to this place um, as long as you put the work in and you've got the determination and and the will and the desire. And so, um, don't give up. Being an entrepreneur is not. It's not. Um, let, let's put it this way: it's um, it can be difficult, um, but it can also be very easy.
2: Great advice, absolutely. Um, Working listeners learn more about you and your business.
0: Well, they can follow me on Facebook. We do have a business page: uh, Joseph um, Insurance Broker um, slash Medicare Specialist is our Facebook page. Uh, You can also go to our website, uh, www.josephinsurancebroker.com. There's a lot of videos and snippets and advice on uh, the Medicare and health insurance processes there.
2: Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Peter, for giving me the time and our listeners uh, today. So I invite our listeners to please connect with Peter and myself. Also, please do share, subscribe, leave a rating and review. I'd very much appreciate your honest feedback, which helps me continually provide impactful content that I hope you will find valuable. And remember, every day that you face adversity, think of it as an opportunity to find the gold inside you. Until next time, have a success-filled day.
1: Thanks for listening to the Behind Main Street Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Remember to visit www.behindmainstreet.com.